We're continuing this morning in a stewardship series as we're looking at who we're called to be. We've been clear together as a church that we exist to build faithful disciples who serve Jesus Christ. But as we've moved to a new denomination, we're looking to their mission and helping, helping to remind us to give further clarity to that mission that we are to be people, last week we said, who worship passionately, and this morning, people who love extravagantly. And we're looking to Luke chapter 7 for that, and I really need to, to begin by simply just saying that you are the worst. You re- not just Steve. It's not just Steve who's the worst. All of us, you, I'm going to point a few out actually. can't miss that. The choir sang about it this morning. I I see my wrong. I see my sin. And Simon's having trouble dealing with that, with this woman and also with Jesus. We look to this woman's life and we see that she had owned her sin. And if you and I don't do that, we don't realize our need for our Savior, we will, we just won't release his love, his grace to others. We'll hold on and not share it. She had fully known her need. You didn't need to tell her of her need, but she had also received the grace of God fully. I want to tell two stories this morning on one of my good friends. Uh, he was in my second youth group over at uh, St. Mark's. I uh, met him when he was, I think, 17. But even at that point in his life, he was really like probably 10 to 11 years old. He's 49 now, has a great job, doing well, but still 10, 10 to about 12-year-old uh, is his capacity and, 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 and how he lives. And I remember when we went to a retreat at Camp Wesley Pines, at the end of that retreat, it's probably his senior year, we went down to take communion at the close of the service. We were serving as we do by intinction. And Sarah and I had gone down earlier. He was at the, the back of the line. And as he was in the line, he'd look back to Sarah and I and smile and wave. And we'd smile and wave. And he got closer. He'd smile and wave. And then he got down to, they gave him the piece of bread. And he took the bread and he ate it. Now, don't judge him because I've seen some of y'all do that too. And I've done it as well. But what he did next, none of us have ever done. He wrestled the pastor with the cup got the cup from her, and took a huge drink. Not only did he take a huge drink, but after he handed it back, it was such a huge drink, he did this. (laughs) He had taken in the grace of Christ, and so had she. She knew her need, and she had owned it. She had had taken in the grace of Christ of Christ. Um, I, I was, I remember because of some mission trips at another church, we went to Russia. I was blessed to go to the Hermitage and I've shared with you about that before, just turning the corner and just for, I didn't, I did not remember that Rembrandt's uh, portrait of the prodigal son was housed there and just turning and seeing that huge painting and just being overwhelmed by it, telling the team, y'all go on, I'm going to be here 
for a while. It's an, it's an amazing, an amazing work of art. But I was not really as familiar as I read my study this week, and one of the commentaries I looked at was Michael Card's commentary of his painting of the raising of Jesus, the elevating of Jesus. It's Rembrandt's painting when they're putting, Christ is on the cross, and they're putting that cross in the ground. There's this amazing light shining on the body of Christ. The rest, the rest of the painting's kind of shadowy, but you see the person who's putting the cross into the ground, and if it'll catch your eye. If you've seen it before, maybe it caught your eye, but if somebody hadn't told me about it, I may, may not have seen it in the shadows, but the person putting him in the ground has a kind of a beret on his head. I don't remember that from my Bible studies in seminary, that they wore a lot of berets in Jesus's day. It's Rembrandt. It's a self-portrait. I did this. It was my sin that caused his death. It was for me and my sins that Christ went to the cross. And so we come to this passage knowing that it was Christ who saved her. You read the following passage and you might get a little confused. Wait a minute, and, and one commentary was helpful. It, it's, it's not her faith that saves her. If you go down to verse 50, uh, and, or excuse me, 48, it's in perfect tense. So it's, it's not something presently that's happened. This is something that's happened in her past. We didn't read that verse this morning. In her past, she had heard the gospel. Maybe she had been ministered to Jesus himself, and she's come to saving faith. Um, but Simon doesn't know that yet. Simon just sees this woman doing what she's doing. And in his heart, he's thinking what, and you, you see that. You, you see how he's thinking about her. And yet, look at Jesus' response. Look at Jesus' response to Simon. There's a tenderness here. Um, when Jesus says, I've got something to tell you, you might get a little bit nervous. Uh, but you see in the way that Jesus, who who knows what Simon's, he always knows what people are thinking. He knows their hearts. Uh, he knows that Simon has trouble with her because it's clear about this woman that she has been in sin. And Simon must knows about her past or is presupposing about her past. And not only that, she's coming in with this ointment and perfume, which is fine for her to have, but could it be that she's used that perfume as part of her trade? To sell herself. And this woman's come in my home and doing this with this rabbi at his feet. Plus, it's the hair thing. You're supposed to cover your head. Now, your, your hair's disheveled and you're crying at his feet. It's embarrassing. And worst thing, she ought to know a woman doesn't touch a rabbi. And you get to verse 39, it's not just the woman now that he's having questions about, but Simon the Pharisee, who's invited Jesus to this meal, now begins to think this, this is not a rabbi because he's allowing this to happen. He's casting judgment on her and on Jesus, and Jesus is tender in his response. You, you didn't take care of me when I came in here and the disciples are going to do the same thing in John 13 so Jesus is going to be tender there and wash their feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil but look at her. Um, and then he goes on to tell the parable of these two uh, debtors. Um, 
Can Christ, can you and I see our sin and believe that Christ will do something about it? This woman had done that. I saw an Instagram reel this week, and at first I thought it was really silly. It was from the movie Interstellar, if you've seen that science fiction movie. And I, haven't, I don't completely understand that movie. But it has the main character, an astronaut, screaming from another time dimension back to our present time, screaming to his, trying to break that barrier to scream. And just You hear Matthew McConaughey just crying, screaming, no, no, trying to get her to stop it. So this reel has that audio playing, no, no. And then you see this man playing playing the part of Matthew McConaughey, and I thought, well, this is getting silly, and he's banging from one place, screaming, no, no, until you see the other scene, and it's, it's the back of a young boy looking at a computer screen, and it says on the bottom, it's my future self screaming to my 13-year-old self, don't look at that image, because since that day, I've been battling, and when you're in that battle, you can feel such shame that maybe God won't have anything to do with you. And maybe this woman felt the same, and that's why we have this response. Or as our choir sang this morning, I believe the lie. I believe the lie that maybe you couldn't couldn't forgive me for what I've done. And at the end of that reel, there's this reminder. It's not from Scripture, but it is scriptural about, about God then speaking to that man saying, the blood of my son has made you whole. I loved you at your worst. That's why I brought up that word, we're the worst. We're all sinners. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But, but if we'll see that and express our need and repent of that sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin. We've got to see it though. If the cross is the remedy for the problem, how can we not understand the depth and the horror of the problem? It is deadly. It is sin. But God will, and and as we talk about loving extravagantly, we see his love as scripture reminds us, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The The woman gets it. Simon is struggling, and Jesus is so tender, trying to get him to see all of us, all of us need Jesus. Search me and try me, the psalmist said. See, see, know my heart, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me. I pray this morning all of us would be able to to look inside and know of our desperate need for Jesus. And if you've never come to him to say, save me from my sin, I pray you do that today, and he will meet you there. I loved you at your worst. But also, as Jesus reminds Simon, if you don't get that, if you don't see that, you're just not going to release love. You won't know the depths of the love he has for you, but you also won't share it like you should. This commentary I read, it was being very careful to make sure we didn't get into works righteousness when it said, this woman's forgiveness does not earn forgiveness. Her, 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 her work, excuse me, this woman's work of praising Jesus, washing his feet, that does not earn her forgiveness. It follows it. But there's also a truth there. It does, our, our, our sharing love, our response to Christ should follow being loved like this by 
Christ. It's got to. And you just look at her. First off, the risk of this woman. To walk into a Pharisee's house, knowing what could be said to you or done to you, but I'm going to walk in that house because I know Jesus is in there. The risk of that. And then the cost. This ointment is not cheap. This is not water for the feet or a dab of oil on the hair, which would have been customary. This is costly. And then it's embarrassing. Uh, You're In that culture, for a woman to touch a man, in that culture, for her hair to be uncovered and to be disheveled like that, and yet to live out that 2 Samuel verse, I'll become even more undignified than this because he has saved me of so much. I'm just going to be at his feet and to weep and to kiss his feet and to pour pour on his feet this ointment. Simon misses that. This woman gets it. And because of that, she risks, she counts the cost, pays the cost, and embarrasses herself for the love of Jesus. Uh, That's what we're called to do, uh, to share the extravagant love of God. I don't have more time this morning. I wish I could. But I've just been so encouraged by how you as a church continue to share the love of Jesus in extravagant ways. I thought of two examples this week. Uh, This week is the Salt and Light Banquet at Bellwether Church in Jackson, Tuesday night. And they're going to be celebrating the mission that this this, uh, church has long supported. But I remember being in a mission council a couple of years ago and, and, and struggling with how do we fund the Moody's? Can we go? And can we release and have two big trips to go? And that mission council saying, this church, you bet we can. And then last year, thinking we're just not providing enough for the Moody's, but we're going through a season of transition. Can we really up the budget to the Moody's? And it was, I just love this. Do you know who said we can? And increased it by like 150. It was like doubled. I think it was doubled or 250%. It was somebody from the Salt and Light team. Yes, love extravagantly. And then this last week, I'm in a finance committee, and I know the mission budget we're going to take to the finance committee. And it's, it's a crazy mission budget. And we take this mission budget to the finance committee saying we want to continue to do ministry and not just the ministries we have. Anyway, I just can't tell the whole story in all time, but just growing all kinds of ministry. And one of a couple of them, our ministries in the United Methodist Church. We have seen so many kids saved at camp. We've seen so many people recommit their lives to Christ through the Emmaus ministry that used to be at that camp, through the Curcio ministry that's still there. We said, we're not, we're not, God's pouring out his love and doing his work there. We're going to keep paying whatever we used to pay. We're going to do that in, in apportionments. Same with the campus ministry. We'd like to do that. So we've got this ballooned mission budget. We drop it on the finance desk. And uh, at first they accept it, but then they rejected it. I'm here to tattle on them. They rejected it. It started with one person, a troublemaker in our church. started with her. (laughs) Then it spread to the whole committee. I've never seen this happen before. That's not enough. It's not enough. God has richly blessed us. And we want to share his love, a love that is extravagant. My buddy Chuck, 
uh, I, we were on vacation. He, he loves pro wrestling. And Sarah had me at a thrift store one day, and I found these two pro wrestling figures. So I texted him and said, I've got two happies for you when I get back. Well, he did, he, I have like 100 texts between that day and this past Friday when I finally met up to get, give them to him. Actually, when I was driving, in the 10 minutes it took to get to his workplace, I had five texts. How much further? How much further? How much further? And I was at a stoplight. I didn't text while I was driving. At a long stoplight, I'm driving, can't text. He texted back, my bad. How much further? How long? <laughs> but the one text that caught my eye inside those 50 to 100 texts over the eight days or 10 days he was waiting was one just text. When you bring them, could you put them in a bag? Chuck had lost his mom seven years ago. And uh, could, you, could, you, could you do it special? And uh, Sarah did. Not me. I can't. I don't. Sarah did. This big bag just for you. It's this decoration paper and all this, all this stuff. And uh, so I give Chuck the gifts. We talk for a little while. And I got to get. We got the. I was racing to the MRA prep game. Then the Germantown MC game. And <coughs> said goodbye to him. I'm speeding off. But I look in this go-kart where he works with some workers come flying in front of me. So I kind of look back because they cut me off. And, uh, and I see Chuck, and he's pointing to the bag. Look, look what I got. And I love that so many people in Honduras and Brazil and Azerbaijan, uh, in the metro area, we're adding new ministries there because of your prayers, because of your giving, and because you will do something and you'll serve, whether it's the Delta, uh, people are going to be able to experience the extravagant love of God. How is it you need to do that? in our church and through our church family or individually in your neighborhood at work because we have seen our need and we've said yes to the grace of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus, and we can release it. We can release it. We can trust that he is enough and that he will share his love and grace through us. It's him 401, Jesus united by our grace. Let's stand together.